He's the host with the most. And this is The Saturday Show with Edward Hayden. Good morning. Yes, indeed, it is the Saturday show. And indeed, it is me, Edward Hayden, with you and with you right through until 12 noon. And hopefully you're in a position to stay with me and us here on KCLR. Until then, I have lots lined up for you. But before all of that, we must say thanks so much to Natalie Lennon for easing us gently into our Saturday morning with lots of music and chat. And she was telling me she was talking all things sandwiches uh, as well. A few unusual combinations coming in on the text line there uh, for sure Natalie will be back with you tomorrow evening on KCLR at uh, 6pm as well now um, what have I lined up for you well I have lots lined up for you I'm very excited because uh, very shortly we're going to be chatting with uh, nationally and internationally recognised opera star Celine Byrne um, from uh, Kildare who's going to be telling us about her upcoming visit to St. Canis' Cathedral so I'm very excited about that Um, you may remember that Father John Cummins sadly passed away on Wednesday the 30th of January 2019 following an accident outside of his home um, the parochial house well uh, John's brother Gary Cummins will be joining us today telling us all about the publication of the second book um, from John called My Life in Your Hands uh, which interestingly um, contains a compilation of John's sermons from different um liturgical events and uh, as part of the liturgical calendar so looking forward to chatting with Gary about that and uh, the solace I suppose that, that book is providing not only to um, John's family but also to its readers as well so look forward to chatting with him about that uh, also we have Linda Murray from Biogen Nutrition is coming in to tell us about the benefits of healthy eating in November and uh, also about the use and prevalence of nutrients in our diet and how they can be found uh, either naturally or otherwise the lovely Alice Taylor Irish writer and novelist Alice Taylor is joining us on the show just after 11 as is Tom Watts from the Design and Craft Council of Ireland and of course Shirley will be coming to us albeit a little bit later. Shirley will be coming to us to the end of this morning's show. And if all of that wasn't enough for you, we have um, lovely chats with the Kilkenny Musical Society ahead of their... um 50th anniversary show this coming week there on Thursday and Friday night uh, I do believe so we'll be chatting with them uh, about that as well uh, I might actually have to check the dates on that I could have those dates a bit wonky but anyway we're, more details anon 1800 is our telephone number should you wish to telephone Tara uh, Tara is with us today the lovely Tara is with us today uh, because uh, for Ashling Oslaher Ashling is on a little uh, well deserved Saturday off today so uh, we have the lovely Tara with us or of course you can text me on our dinnersready.ie uh, contact line all your texts and whatsapps will come directly to the studio to me on 083 306 96 and I'd love to hear from you uh, for sure and certain now 
um, I also have a competition today for you. So the competition is for um, a month's supply of clean marine menomen uh, and a copy of the Essential Guide to Female Hormones, which covers all female life stages. Um, so that is my giveaway this morning. That's with thanks to the nat- Natural uh, Health Store. So we wish uh, them all the very best and thank them for that. And uh, all you need to do to be in with a chance to grab this, I'm going to make it nice and easy because it's so wet and miserable outside. I'm not even going to ask you a question. I'm going to ask you to text the word HEALTH followed by your name and where you are in the world to mydinnersready.ie contact line, which is away 3306-9696 and be in with a chance uh, to go into the big draw drum and we'll announce the winner of that before the end of this morning's show and more details on that anon. Keep the text coming in to us 083 306 9696. We're very much open for business for sure and certain. Now uh, I told you we're really delighted uh, to be joined by a very special guest on the show this morning and that of course is um, nationally and internationally recognised opera star and lyric soprano direct from Kildare but coming to Kilkenny and uh, next Saturday evening coming to St. Canis' Cathedral. I'm joined on the telephone line by none other than Celine Burns. Celine, good morning to you. Good morning. How are you? I'm very good. Thanks for taking the time to uh, chat with us this morning. Oh no, I'm delighted. Absolutely delighted. Come here till I tell you. Um, we'll 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 get That's out wise. of the way first and foremost. You're coming to uh, Kilkenny next Saturday evening. Indeed. Down to St. Canis's Cathedral alongside the Baldonnell Singers, Celine. Yes, a group of very handsome men and wonderful singers led by David Lanigan, who is their director. He's wonderful, he's fantastic. And it's going to be a great night of music, um, music from the world of opera, musicals, some Irish music. So I'm really looking forward to it. Absolutely. And I've sung with them a couple of times now, so... I feel very comfortable in their presence, you know, it's really, really nice. When I started off first, um, I used to do a lot of concerts in Nays for fundraisers, the Lions Club and everything like that. And the the Baldonon singers were there and I was accompanying them and we used to put on a lot of concerts when I was starting off. So it's nice to come back and sing with them even though I sing internationally and I've on to lead an international career for sure and I'd love to chat about that Celine there's just the, the quality of your line is just a little bit poor I'm just going oh, to re-establish that it. I'm going to re-establish is that better um, I th- now are, are you with me is that better that is much better yes Oh, sorry about that. Now, there you are. Now, that's much better indeed. Apologies. Um, and that's this. I mean, your career is very interesting. Um, in advance of our conversation during the week, I was just uh, reading, you know, uh, my understanding from the research is that you started your singing lessons at 18. I mean, many would think that uh, uh, to have a career as illustrious as yours, we'd need to have begun at the same stage as Shirley Temple. Uh, why opera? And why the, the, the training as a, as a young adult? Um, I suppose um, I live in the country, so I never was aware of the fact that you could actually get your voice trained. It was something that was a bit kind of alien to me. 
and they, and to be honest, I was ignorant because I didn't know you could. Mm. And um, I was put into sports as a young girl because that's my family were embedded into the GAA. So I was playing football and camogie and things like that. But I've always I always loved singing, and I never kind of thought what direction it would go in. So it was a hobby that developed into a career because I joined this musical society and then I was on the stage and loved it and then I just decided, okay, this is what I want to do. So oh. I got my voice trained. Under Ver- Veronica Dunn. Mm. Well, actually, I didn't go to her until later. I was studying with the Leinster School of Music and then I went into the DIT to study music and then after that, when I went to do my master's in the Royal Irish Academy of Music, that's where I was working with Ronnie. Okay. And Ronnie said, I was a rough diamond, I just needed a bit of polishing. <laughs> I just needed to kick up the arse and get out there and sing. Well, listen, she put plenty of brasso on you because you've had uh, a very illustrious career um, since Thank then. God. Uh, now, I last saw you, of course, you mentioned there in your introduction about musical theatre. I last saw you as uh, Mother Abbas in The Sound of Music in The Board Gosh. The Board Gosh, yeah. I mean, that's yeah, a completely that's different discipline than um, perhaps, you know, singing some of the, of the great arias. How did you get kind of uh, seduced into that, Celine? Well, that was my that was my first love musical, and I think that gave me my stagecraft and my ba- and my basic training. Okay, from singing on stage and you know being used to being on stage and performing and you know got rid of a lot of the nerves and uh, yeah. So when I went into the world of opera, I could easily switch between the two. And I and used my normal voice for musicals and then my operatic voice for opera, of course. Because to train your voice to become an opera singer is a different kind of training. So there are skills there are skill set that you would employ when you're performing in that. Absolutely. Genre. You can't necessarily be lashing out one of the arias at a sing song in the local pub. No, you can't. And with that as well, if I was doing a musical, you can't really put the upper voice in either because that's not the way it should be sung. They're just different skill sets. Celine, in terms of the concert that's taking place, and of course it is taking place uh, uh, in support of Cushnoor Cancer Support Centre, which many of our listeners here will be well familiar with for sure. Um, Any any little tease of a couple of the numbers that you might be uh, performing on the night because you're you're so popular that I have no doubt that the concert is going to be uh, thronged. You know, people really um, have got behind you and really supported you know your career and are very proud. I mean, we're always very proud uh, to hear you um, at a national and international level. Oh, thank you. That's a really lovely thing to say. Because I always say at my concerts when I'm saying thank you, it's the most important thank you is to the audience because because without an audience there is no show, you know. And the fact that they come out and decide to spend their money on mm. that ticket to see that person, or to even come out and leave their house on a cold kind of wintry evening because it's getting colder now is is just I really appreciate it. It's an honour. So it I'm is so delighted. And it's an investment of trust, do- isn't it? Because people trust you and people you know trust your abilities and your talents and uh, that's worthy of getting out on that cold evening and I want to give them a, a nice entertainment and as you said what will I be singing I did uh, talk about joining me in Nace Musical Society and the very first thing that I did was The Merry Widow so I had sung that a couple of times for the Baldon singers Fado 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 I'm going to um, repeat that again this uh, on Saturday 
I'll be singing the. And all that. How gorgeous. Oh my God, we're getting serenaded by Celine Byrne on a Saturday morning. What a lovely treat for my listeners. Actually, a text is coming in here, Celine, as we're chatting. It says, no matter what the weather, it's always sunshine when Miss Celine Byrne sings. What a gorgeous text. God bless you. Thank you. Um, Celine, in terms then uh, of, you know, moving into to 2024, um, what's, on the, what's on the cards or, or what's 2024 looking like for you career well, wise I'm currently rehearsing for La Boheme which is on at the end of November in the Borgash Energy Theatre oh my god and then I have in January a concert in the INEC on the 7th of January because I just didn't want to kind of jump in on the oversaturated market of Christmas concerts mm. So I have a few little ones, um, the big ones in the INEC on the 7th of January. Then I'm actually going to America and doing a tour of America, including Carnegie Hall. <sighs> then I come back to Ireland for a couple of weeks and I'm planning on doing a recording for a new album, which is long overdue. And then I'm going to Switzerland to do La Boheme again. And so of course, La Boheme is where it all started for you, isn't it? Yeah, it was my first opera in 2010. Yeah, it's mad, isn't it? There's something special about well, really, it. Really, it's only a career of 13 years, although I feel I've been around for centuries. Oh, listen, um, it's, it's, it's fabulous. And in terms then, Celine, of the kind of the, the parts when we have um, people on, we often do a lot of theatre here on this show. And one of the things I always ask yeah. them is what are the kind of the, the sought after or desired parts? Or have you played them all? Or is there a kind of a, a part out there? Is there an area that you want to get your, your, your vocal uh, cords around? What's the, what's yeah, the dream? I love what I do and I'm kind of known as the Puccini girl because I think so much Puccini and I understand Puccini's music so well and the nuances of the music and the orchestration and the beautiful vocal lines. But of course, um, now that my voice is developing, I would move into the more dramatic um, roles. But I shouldn't forget the fact that, you know, it's always good to return to Mozart for discipline and but what I'd love to do, I think, though, you'd need to be famous. You need to be like Maria Callas status to do what you want. I'd love to sing Carmen one day. But for your listeners who might know why I wouldn't sing Carmen, it's because it's scored for a mezzo-soprano, for a different voice type. I'm soprano, so I have a higher range, or tessitura, as we call it in the music world. And Carmen is a lower tessitura for the mezzo-soprano. So, but never, you never know. One day, one day for sure. I saw it actually about about ten or twelve years ago. I saw it in the amphitheatre in uh, Verona, uh, Carmen, and it was absolutely uh, amazing. I could really uh, see yeah. you in it. I'm going to say my prayer tonight, Celine, that that happens. Yeah, well, you never know. God bless us. You know, once you say it out there, it's the spoken word. God has heard it. <laughs> God has heard it. We'll push it into the universe. Well, listen, Celine, I'm going to give a little musical treat to our listeners this morning. We're going to play um, you uh, singing a version of a beautiful rendition of O Mio Babino Caro, uh, which we'll come to in just a moment. But we can remind people just once again that next Saturday night in St. Canis' Cathedral in uh, Kilkenny here, tickets are €25 Euro via Eventbrite. You're going 
going to be joined by tenor Paul Lenehan and by the Bal Donald singers, that male voice choir. So you're going to be uh, amongst uh, a bevy of male beauties uh, next yeah, Saturday night. Absolutely. <laughs> so see you all next week and thank you so much for having me on. A pleasure, Celine. Care. Nice to chat with you. Thanks thank so much. You. Good morning. Bye. Now here is Celine Byrne uh, with Omeo Bambino Caro and apologies for the quality of uh, the line there. The, the line was um, uh, a little bit difficult but we did uh, proceed because listen she's Celine Byrne here she is This Saturday show on KCLR with Edward Hayden with thanks to Christmas parties at Lyrath Estate Hotel the perfect location for your team to come together this Christmas for details email events at lyrath.com Okay there it is it happened Christmas has just been mentioned on the show let's just Bell the cat and get that out there. Anyway, you're very welcome back. 0833069696 is our dinnersready.ie contact line. Lots of lovely texts coming in there about Celine Byrne. Uh, of course, uh, joining the Baldonnell Singers uh, next Saturday evening in St. Canis' Cathedral in Kilkenny and also tenor Paul Lenehan um, as well. Uh, tickets are, are €25 Euro and can be got on Eventbrite and they are in aid of the Cushnore Cancer Support Centre. Now, um, I'm delighted to be joined in studio by my next guest, Gary Cummins. And you may remember that Gary's brother, Father John Cummins, sadly passed away on the 30th of January uh, 2019 uh, following an accident at his home um, in Abbey Leaks, just outside. Uh, Gary, good morning to you. Good morning, Edward, and good morning to your listeners. Thank you so much for joining us. You're just telling me that I'm continuing a, a Kildare theme this morning. Absolutely. Uh, with Celine Byrne, follow that. Thanks very much for that. There you have it. Well, you can always say Celine Byrne warmed the crowd for you. Indeed she did. Indeed she did. A little family connection there. My wife actually was on stage with Celine Byrne many, many years ago in Newbridge Musical Society. So good morning to my lovely wife Yvonne. She was on stage in uh, the Hot Mikado with Celine a long time ago. How lovely. Great show as well actually and uh, a great society up there, the Newbridge. I was up at, not last year's production, the year before when they did um, Oh God it wasn't chess it wasn't cabaret it was something like that I can't remember what it was but I remember being uh, up at it They're a great bunch They're a super bunch super (laughs) bunch I know a few of them up there as well Uh, Gary bring us back to the 30th of January 2019 if um, if I can ask you to do so because the story was was widely reported and widely covered but just remind our listeners what actually happened on that day to Father John Yeah uh, John was attending a uh, uh, Catholic schools week uh, in, in, in Abbey Leaks. He had gone to school that morning uh, with some grandparents and, and some school kids in the local school there, so he was in his element. Um, he went back to his home and at sometime around three o'clock in the afternoon he went to leave his house uh, and uh, unfortunately a very freak accident occurred where um, his he, he had left the handbrake uh, off on his car uh, and there's a slope on, on, the, on the property there. Uh, it was a frosty morning in January and he tried to prevent the car uh, from rolling onto the road and unfortunately he fell under it and uh, we lost him. So it was a, a very unexpected and freak accident that occurred that day. Um, caught us all 
you know, he he wasn't ill. He was in the fullness of health. Mm. He'd been in our home uh, in Newbridge on Sunday beforehand, was in great spirits, was in great form. Uh, and uh, yeah, it was a, an absolute loss for us as a family, uh, but also to, to, to his parishioners as well. And that's the thing, of course, you know, because uh, I remember the story at the time and I remember that outpouring of grief. Now, uh, notwithstanding that there's a kind of a family front and centre at that, but the kind of the pastoral care that he had provided was widely reported on that time, that kind of whole um, ecclesiastical, advuncular nature. You know, he was um, well decorated and well respected in his community amongst his parishioners who also felt bereft at his loss. Absolutely. You know, um, we, we actually... Uh we, we really do value our clergy. They're very important to us uh, and, and they're very important to us at the, at the good times in our lives, you know, at um, baptisms and weddings and all of that kind of good stuff and holy communion. And we invite them to the good and the bad. And we invite them, but they're also there for us at times of, of sadness, of tragedy, of, of funerals as well. And, you know, we actually really do need them and we've had a lot of tragedies in the country there in Cresslock and, and Tipperary and it's our clergy who've been front and centre there as well. So they, they are really, really important part of, of, of the fabric of, of, our, of our communities, you know. For sure. And are called upon to, to process and rationalise these kind of national uh, tragedies you mentioned, of course, Greaselock being uh, front and centre at that. But um, it's a difficult life. Um, how did he find uh, the life of the clergy? Because that giving that apostolic administration, all of the work that's required to be there, you have to be a big giver and give so generously of yourself. John loved it. He absolutely loved it. And he would have uh, been very much so of the view that he, everyone who, li- who has a career, has a vocation in life, they have to live that life authentically. Mm. Uh, and if you're not living an authentic life, you're not going to be happy. John was living his authentic life and he absolutely loved it. Um, he, my brother Con always said that John was the happiest person that he knew. Uh, so he was, he was in his elements. Now, that's not to say he didn't have bad days and dark days and mm. days that he wanted to run screaming out the door and things like that. Of course he did. We all have that. But um, I, I think if it's, if it's your vocation, if that's what it is for you, then, then you're going to be happiest doing that, you know. And uh, John loved being with people. He loved connecting with people. Uh, and he loved connecting people with one another. And ultimately, he, he, his job was to connect people with God. And that was the ultimate thing for him. Uh, John was a very educated guy. He was a very smart guy. He spent a lot of time in Rome. He, he, he got a, a doctorate in Rome. He didn't brag about that. He didn't want people to know really a whole lot about that because he kind of thought, well, that would put people off if they knew that he was mm-hmm. Dr. John Cummins. He didn't want that at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, his whole job was to connect people uh, uh, with one another, but also with with God. And of course, you know, not not to be and uh, the the world destined something different, but it was reported after his death that John would have been, you know, in running for almost more senior ecclesiastical positions, if we want to call it that. Yeah, we, we had heard that his name might have been mentioned uh, in, 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 in those kind of conversations mm. that might take place for a potential vacancy, but who knows? Who knows yeah. what, what, the, what, what the world had for him, you know? But, um, and it's nice to hear that, you know, but um, yeah, he, 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 certainly had, uh, he certainly had qualifications, he certainly had the experience, but, you know. 
Tell me, we're going to get to the book in just a minute, which I think is really interesting um, and, and I've been reading about it uh, during the week. But before that, my final question, as a family, how are ye now? Because we're now, you know, a couple of years on and, you know, the world has told us that we need to be better 38 seconds later yeah. um, after we experience this big trauma. But, you know, the loss of anybody, you know, we're so aware of it, obviously, not only those that are, are, are deeply rooted in faith, but whatever our, our creed and, and beliefs, you know, loss is a trauma. This was a traumatic trauma. It How was. are you as a family? We're doing okay. We're doing good, actually. We're doing good. Um, we've, we've a lot of positives in our lives, you mm. know, and um, the support that the wider community gave us was absolutely tremendous. Like, you know, that actually left, lifted us up and kept us going. And hearing all the wonderful stories about John, you know, it was fantastic, you know, in, in, a, in a bizarre way. Mm. Um, you know, but we're very conscious that, you know, John lived a very full and active life. He was taken too soon, in our opinion, at 52 but like you know a lot of other people have had worse tragedies than us you know there's there's fathers and mothers who have lost at a young age or with with young children and that's a far greater tragedy there's young children who have lost their lives you're very conscious that you know losing john at, at you know was our personal tragedy but we're we weren't very special as a result of that. You know, that didn't set us apart. Unfortunately, there's a lot of people who've had tragedies. We mentioned Creaselock, we've mentioned mm-hmm. Tipperary and, and others, you know. So, um, you know, but we did feel special when John was alive, you know. We, you know, it was very special to have John as your brother at the time, you know. So, what a gorgeous uh, thing to say. So, you know, so um, we're, we're doing well. We're doing okay. We have a lot, a lot of good things in our lives, you know. Um, 2019, 2020 was a, was a tough time in, mm. in the family. Um, my children lost a very loved uncle. Uh, very soon afterwards, they lost a very loved grandfather. And then a year and a half later, we lost our mother. So we ha- we had a bad run of it as a family, mm-hmm. but that happens, you know. That's, it, does. it does happen with families. So, um, But we're in a good space now, you know. How lovely. Now, I love words. Uh, I think words are really important. And, you know, uh, whether you believe or otherwise, you know, uh, the clergy are very good. A lot of the clergy are very very good wordsmiths and very good to put words together. Words that mean something, whether it's to help us understand the words of the gospel, whether it's to help us to find solace or comfort, uh, whether it's to accelerate our joy or whatever. And a lot of them are very good wordsmiths. Uh, John was also uh, a very good filing person because uh, the book that you have brought out with the family, My Life in Your Hands, are his thoughts and his words as discovered in uh, a Microsoft World Folder. Tell Tell us how that happened. Well, you know... After we lost John, you'd have a lot of people coming up to you saying, do you know what, he, he was great at the homilies. You know, we love listening to him talk. And you, had, and you had a lot of people telling you this. We had so many people who were saying, you know what, I'm not really into religion, don't really go to Mass, but I was at Mass for a, a, an anniversary and I heard your brother speak and I thought, oh, I need to come back here and listen again to this. There's something more for me to explore here. So you heard lots of people saying that. And then we, we, we came across John's computer. Uh, we had to engage some friendly hackers so that we could get into his computer but there in his computer perfectly filed was about 17 years worth of uh, homilies and uh, contrary maybe to popular opinion uh, he didn't repeat that much they were all there was no cut and paste there was very very little cut and paste now he did
did do it but he, the honest guy that he was he would tell you at the very start of the document I told I'd, you before <laughs> I'd, I'd copied this from a mass two years ago or something like that he'd have it written up on, on the actual document you know so it, it was wonderful for us to kind of read through those as a family and we kind of laughed and we cried and we scratched our heads at a few of them my sister kind of said you know there's a few of those that I'd like to take them to task on and kind of go can you talk to me a bit more about what you've just said there um, so um, with the feedback that we got from people after we lost John and the fact that we had John's homilies it seemed an absolute waste to just leave them there on a computer and we felt that we should share these and it kind of linked back into the, what I spoke about earlier John loved connecting with people and ultimately connecting people with God and we kind of felt that these were written for people to hear so we couldn't really just hold on to them um, so last year we published the first book which was My Life in Your Hands Year A and literally flew Oh, it, it absolutely astounded us the reaction to it um, it was fantastic it was, fan- it was th- the reaction that we got from it was just um, amazing and, and it was the reaction after the book that w- was published that kind of compelled us to come up with this second volume because people were saying you know um, you know I, I read that book and I felt get, I get, get great calm and peace and solace out of it um, it was the lady who, who said to us you know I, I don't go to church anymore but I read that book now and I've had to reflect on my relationship with God as a result of it. It, it really reached out to people in a really deep and, and I suppose meaningful full way. We did have the priest who said to us, came up to me afterwards and said, well that's great, you've done year A, where's year B and C? Like come on, like you can't just leave us hanging there. So um, I'm delighted that I have a, a co-conspirators helping us to put this book together. Joe, Brian, Paddy Pender, Margaret Farrell and Father Jarrah Hearn were absolutely monumental in, in the work that they did. Uh, to, to help us uh, collate uh, this second volume. Um, this volume covers two years worth of homilies. So uh, year A comes to an end uh, just before we come to Christmas, uh, uh, which you've already let the cat out of the bag there earlier. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, so hap- it's happening. It's Gary. happening. <laughs> it's happening. It's happening. So um, uh, so this book um, will actually take you from uh, this, the start of the next liturgical year, which begins at Advent uh, coming up now, but it'll also do for the following year as well. So you can follow the Sundays uh, of the year or you can dip in and out of it uh, leave it on your coffee table and dip in and out of it uh, as, as you deem fit or you can follow it every Sunday which, whichever way works for you um, But uh, and there's some additional pieces in there as well that might surprise people uh, there's the very first one is about the fifth gospel about a trip to the Holy Land uh, and there's some uh, pieces there from uh, uh, that were given to schools uh, which mm. people might be interested in as well It's funny that you mentioned Christmas I actually have flicked through the book as we were chatting and I've opened it on Christmas Day and uh, I quote uh, The simple story of Christmas conceals mysteries reveals truths tells us about something new about ourselves and our God Our God comes to us as a baby This is his definitive commitment to humanity God becomes one of us part of our race The creator becomes part of the creation and so gives a meaning and value to human life that are both new and profound. What it is to be a human being is changed utterly and forever. The God of heaven has come to share our life in all its vulnerability, limitations, strengths and beauty. It's 
so high end but yet it's so understandable isn't yeah, it yeah yeah and that's the use of words I mean that's wordsmiths that's and word the power craft, yeah. that's the power mm. and, and these are short they're about a page or two pages long so you mm. they're easily consumable if you want to just dip into it and just take one and read it uh, or you can Knock yourself out. Knock yourself <laughs> out through it. Uh, Bishop Dennis Nolte, of course, our own Bishop here of Kildare and Lachlan, um, has said, this publication allows all of us to hold John once more in our hands. May his words give us all a clearer g- glimpse of the face of the Lord. So again, uh, a, a ringing endorsement there from, from Bishop Dennis Nolte. Tell us, Gary, where we can uh, get it. I love the design, by the way. A lovely picture of John in the front, but it's that lovely uh, bottle green. There's four hands coming together in communion. So those hands are actually John's hands and my dad's hands. Oh, that is how gorgeous. A, yeah, they, that was his design for his ordination uh, uh, card. So when John, uh, again, a statement of his own faith, his theme for his ordination was, Lord, I place my life in your hands. So that's where we've gotten the title from. And the design for his ordination card was his hands. Uh, so uh, it, it kind of follows the whole way through. The book is available in most parish centres uh, throughout the Diocese of Kildare and Lachlan. It's available in, Kil- in the Cathedral in Carlow, uh, Newbridge, Nace, uh, all the main uh, parish centres throughout the Diocese. It's also available in Woodbine Books in Kilcullen and it's also available at Farrell and Nephews in Newbridge uh, bookstores. They have websites as well that's available for online. It's priced at 15 euros mm, uh, very good. and hopefully it would make a lovely gift for Christmas since you've mentioned it already. I'm going to harp on about Absolutely. <laughs> there you have it. Uh, and again, you know, it's very good to uh, bring about understanding and for those that are trying to elicit clarity from uh, pre-written um, stories from the Bible, there's a very modern understanding and a very modern uh, approach to the kind of the, the crosses that people carry as they as they go along. Absolutely. It's really beautiful. Absolutely. Book. Congratulations, uh, Gary, and nice to chat with you. Thanks so much for chatting with us Thank this you for morning. Me. You're very welcome. Uh, that's Gary Cummins there telling us all about um, a second book. Um, it's looking at Year B and Year C of the liturgical calendar. It's the thoughts and words of Father John Cummins, My Life in Your Hands. This Saturday show on KCLR with Edward Hayden. With thanks to Christmas parties at Lyrath Estate Hotel. The perfect location for your team to come together this Christmas. For details, email events at lyrath.com. KCLR. Now, you're very welcome back. Edward Hayden here with you. Lots of nice texts coming in there about the late father, John Cummins. And of course, we were chatting with his brother, Gary, just before the break about the book, My Life in Your Hands. The thoughts and words of Father John, uh, particularly pertaining to the gospel uh, of years B and C in the liturgical calendar. Kay has been on to us as well and of course I met Kay last week down in uh, Gores Bridge at the Drama Festival but Kay has sent us in a lovely quote for the day saying never regret a day in your life good days give happiness bad days give experience worst days give lessons and best days give memories how gorgeous uh, also to remind you uh, we have a competition running with thanks to the Nash. 
Natural Health Store. Uh, we have a three-month supply of Clean Marine Menomen and a copy of the Essential Guide to Female Hormones, which covers all female life uh, stages. You can check uh, out that book and the competition. Uh, if you want to be in with a chance to win that prize, just text the word HEALTH, followed by your name and where you are in the world, to 083 306 9696. Healthy Habits on KCLOR with thanks to Natural Health Store. Our customers love Claymarine Menamin, a unique, specifically formulated blend for perimenopause and menopause. Natural Health Store. Feel good on the inside. Now, um, we're going to fo- focus on health for the next number of weeks and all different types of health here on the show. And we're delighted to have joining us on the telephone line, Linda Murray of Biogen Nutrition uh, to start us off on this. Linda, good morning to you. Good morning, Edward. How are you? I'm very good, thanks. How are you? I'm fine. Thanks very much. That's good. That's good. How's life in uh, Biogen Nutrition at the minute, Linda? We are great. Um, Jenny is on maternity leave at the moment after having a little baby in October. How gorgeous. Um, yes, so we're very busy, but it's great. Wonderful. You're left, you're left manning the beast. I am the joys of the joys of having a partnership. In fairness, um, there, it's good. It's all good. There you have it. Uh, listen, I suppose um, we're always so mindful of the seasons, you know, and I think seasons are really important around food, and I think they guide and govern us around our food choices as well. I'm looking out here this morning, uh, alas, at a very murky morning here in Kilkenny. Yeah. Um, but yet, you know, whilst we're thinking of, of foods and what we should eat, um, you know, it's still important to eat healthy whilst uh, it, the day and the weather might suggest us to go more Moorish. But we can be Moorish and healthy all at the one time, Linda, can't we? You absolutely and can, Edward. And I suppose this time of the year is actually ideal for healthy comfort food. Um, you know, it's very easy to get a stew or a big chunky soup with lots of good nutrients, but it feels very, you know, and serve it with like your crusty bread or your, you know, the piece that you feel is the bad side of your meal. I'm not a big believer in uh, bad food or, or bad food choices. It's just about getting a balance and including all the good nourishing foods as part of that balanced diet. Absolutely. Now, what should uh, we be we be looking at then at this time of the year, Linda? Give us a, a, a sense of uh, a day, maybe. Like, so breakfast, of course, is key. Are you a, a subscriber to the breakfast like a king adage? I am. People are individual, uh, Edward. So I suppose I don't force any philosophy on mm. anybody. But if somebody enjoys their breakfast, I absolutely think it's a very valuable meal. Um, it's all about balance again. It can breakfast can be one of the poor choices in that it can be like a slice of toast rushing out the door, or you know, a bowl of cereal that doesn't contain a lot of nutrients. But with some small tweaks, it can be very tasty and very nutritious. So, for example. Um, if somebody loves toast in the morning, I would say rather than having jam or marmalade, maybe switch it to an egg or to like even a chia jam, so chia seeds in your jam, which makes it much more protein-based. Um, or adding something like uh, peanut butter and banana. Just a small tweak will add some proteins, some healthy fats, 
and make it a look much more substantial meal that will nourish you until your next meal. And of course, you know, things like that peanut, or peanut butter and banana, they give you that real sense of being satisfied, don't they? They're kind Absolutely. of they're slow, slow burners in terms of uh, fuel release. But even to be quite honest, I'd sometimes give that to my kids as a snack, Edward, and I'd put a sprinkle of, of uh, cocoa powder on top. And should, they're delighted with themselves because it feels like a treat. But it's, you know, it's perfect. You know, it's not, it's, it's not giving in to the, the bad treat you're nourishing them. You can keep them going until they've eaten their, their meals for the day before the treats are introduced. So it's very easy to tweak, I suppose, to, to make it a little bit more nourishing. Mm. Can I talk to you a little bit about, um, uh, I suppose, in the wider sense about the food pyramid? You know, I'm wondering, you know, has the food pyramid changed to that which we would have learned at school? Has the advice or counsel around that changed? Or are we now supplementing the food pyramid in terms of, you know, a, an intake of additional nutrients, Linda? So the official guidance hasn't really changed, to be quite honest, but okay. a lot of uh, dietitians and nutritionists are kind of recommending people to, to look at the plate. So you'll see, you know, in a lot of even social media and stuff, you'll see there's a, a, a recommended plate which would show a quarter of your plate to be protein, a quarter of your plate to be carbohydrates, and, you know, a half to your plate or up to half your plate to be a variety of vegetables based very much on a Mediterranean type of diet and including good fats as part of that. So it, it's not wrong, it just needs to be tweaked, you know, to, to include more of the good food. And, and I suppose even within that, if you look at, say, the, the, the carbohydrate content on a pyramid, there's a big difference between a box of Pringles, which would be considered a carbohydrate, and vegetables or rice or potatoes, which are also carbohydrates. So it's it's choosing the the, the better or more complex carbs within the pyramid would be better for people who can tolerate them. Because as you remember, people are very individual, mm. and if there is somebody who can tolerate carbs, great. And if they can't tolerate carbs, and we need to reduce them, well, then we need to do that too. And talk to me then about taking things, you know, in terms of, you know, whether it's supplements, Definitely. whether it's magnesium, whether it's, you know, vitamins, whether it's, uh, you know, these soluble uh, capsules that we dissolve in our waters and yeah. all of that sort of thing. Talk to me about where you stand on those or what's the kind of the counsel around those, um, Linda? I'm a huge fan of supplements for a short period of time. Um, this is a time of the year where I would recommend supplements for, you know, some certain supplements for, for certain people. Yeah. And you need to consider if you're on medication. I suppose that's a caveat at the start of it. One supplement, Edward, that's really valuable at this time of the year and is recommended to take um, by supplement is vitamin D because from the end of September to March, we can't get it from our the sun and if you're taking some fortified foods you may be getting some vitamin D but you may not be getting an adequate amount and low vitamin D can lead to uh, a compromised immune system and also it can really affect your mood 
other supplements then like magnesium omega 3s mm. absolutely amazing if you need them I suppose I always try and say to people we put in supplements while we're trying to get the diet right or if there's something specific like somebody's energy is really low and as a result they're struggling to say exercise we can put in the supplement to boost their energy to get them feeling better to get their diet improved and their exercise regime in place and ideally you shouldn't need to continue the supplement longer term Okay, uh, all fascinating, all all really interesting. Uh, food for thought, pardon the pun. Linda, signpost <laughs> as to where people can get more details uh, about you or indeed get in contact with you at Bioga Nutrition. We're on Instagram and Facebook at Bioga Nutrition and our website, if somebody wants to contact us or email us, it's info at bioganutrition.ie. Thanks so much, Linda, for chatting with us. Um, have a nice day and good morning to you. Thanks, Edward. Now, that's Linda Murray there from Bioga Nutrition as well. This Saturday show on KCLR. Now, do you know what I was actually doing? I have to say, I got getting caught rotten there. I hadn't my button ready to press. I was reading Alice Taylor's book here. Um, it's absolutely fantastic. And Alice is going to join us on the telephone line in just a moment. Now, you're very welcome back to Fallshire Rash. Edward Hayden here with you. Um, and delighted to be so. Thanks so much to Angela Doyle, Stuart Arash, Arisha, Manley, Nuuk Dorish. Now, uh, just remind you of the competition. Thanks to the natural health store we have three months supply of clean marine menomen and a copy of the essential guide to female hormones which covers all aspects of female life stages I have that to give away to be with a chance to win that just text your name followed by where you are in the world to 083 306 9696 it's our dinnersready.ie contact line and we'd love to have uh, you in the draw drum before the end of the show now as I said very shortly we're going to be chatting with Alice Taylor about her new book and of course Alice is world renowned Irish writer and novelist and really looking forward to chatting with her and as I said I've been reading uh, uh, parts of her book Come Sit A While. Tom Watts head of the design in the Design and Craft Council of Ireland will also be joining us as indeed will Mark Duffy from the Kilkenny Musical Society ahead of their upcoming um, 50th anniversary celebration which takes place this week. And our resident gardening expert, Shirley Lanigan, will be coming to us at the tail end of the show this morning as opposed to the top of it. Just before I go over to um, Alice on the telephone line, you may remember earlier on we were speaking to um, we were speaking to Gary Cummins about the death of his brother, Father John Cummins, and the book that they've brought out, My Life in Your Hands, Thoughts and Words of Father John Cummins, which are uh, a compilation of his homilies. And Following on from that, I've got the most beautiful text, which I'm going to read to you, to you and I'd like you to really reflect on it uh, this morning. And it says, Hello, Edward. I have buried my husband this week. He had cancer. He wasn't afraid to die and had great faith. The clergy are a very important part of coping with any illness and funeral. People are so kind in these situations. I often believe these things are set out for us and it all happens for a reason. We ended his funeral with this verse. Those we love don't go away. They walk beside us every day. Unseen, unheard, 
but always near, still loved, still missed, and very dear. What gorgeous text, and I thank our texter for taking courage in her hands to send us that message this morning. And all we can do is offer our condolences and our good wishes and pray that uh, strength and tenacity will be yours in the days, weeks and months ahead as you come to terms uh, with this loss. But thank you for sending the text to us this morning. Now, I'm very excited because I'm delighted to be joined on the telephone line by Alice Taylor. And Alice Taylor, of course, as I said to you, is a world-renowned Irish writer and novelist, uh, known, of course, for her uh, very interesting work on nostalgia, looking back at life and offering great clarity and helping us perhaps to elicit clarity um, at different times as well. Alice, good morning to you. Good morning, Edward. Nice to talk to you, Alice, and thanks for joining us. I love that text. Isn't it gorgeous, Alice? It's absolutely lovely. People are always going through, you know, different difficulties and different traumas and trauma visits people at at different times. And it does require, Alice, a massive resolve to both um, endure it at the time and deal with its ramifications, doesn't it? Yeah, and, and and that texture, she captured it so well because, you know, people do help. Little things help. And uh, well, the bereavement road is a hard road. Mm. Uh, it, you, it, it's almost as if it was a perfect segue for our conversation. Perhaps sometimes the Lord appoints things in different ways. But of course, your uh, most recent book published um, by uh, the O'Brien Pre- by Brandon uh, Press um, yeah. is an invitation and it's an invitation to sit and rest, to think, to ponder, to hope and to pray. Uh, tell us about Come Sit A While, Alice. Yeah, I think, you know, Edward, we're, we're moving at a very fast pace. So that life is, is kind of hectic at the moment. Even if we do want to slow it down, it's almost impossible. And, uh, I, you know, there's a chapter actually in Come City a While about bereavement. And, uh, you know, you don't understand bereavement until you've walked in the shoes and then you understand for other people walking through it. It's a difficult time, isn't it? And it comes to people at different times in their life. Yeah, Yeah, it's very difficult and uh, the kindness of people help so much. You know, uh, and people mightn't think they might think that little things didn't help, but little things do help. And you know, the funny thing, the best bit of advice I ever got, I think, was never suppress a good impulse. Okay. So if you get the impulse to write a letter to somebody in bereavement, to lift up the phone, or to call for a minute, do it. Don't overanalyze. Just do it. Just do it. Because it's all these it's all little things you know and when you're in a bad place the kindness of other people keep you going it certainly you know? does and Alice don't we do uh, funerals and re- requiems and wakes and grief 
so well here in Ireland. It is that sense of people coming together in communion, isn't it? Yeah, you know, it, but it, we do. We get a lot of things wrong, but we get funerals right because it's a funny thing. You need ritual, and mm-hmm. the church provides that. It, it, you know, we we, we can't hurry through through um, death and bereavement and uh, the slowing down of the ceremony. It's painful, but it's healing. It's healing as well. And uh, there's a togetherness in it. And and that's the time you do need togetherness. And, you know, you need friends and neighbours because the family are all traumatised. And, and they kind of can't help each other. But the friends and neighbours can. You know, they can come in. And the strange thing, you know, Edward visiting the grave. I mean, it, it might sound like a morbid mm. uh, practice, but there's, there's a strange comfort in visiting the grave. I found that now with different uh, family dates um, visiting the grave. It, it's almost as if it's the last physical connection. Of course, and it's, the, it's a ritual in itself, isn't it? There is, it is, it is. There's a most beautiful piece in that chapter after the funeral that I had actually highlighted uh, in advance of our conversation because I think it's yeah. so evocative and it says if I can quote it it says uh, it's a little verse it says and when they're all gone home and the shoulder of desolation nudges in my dark window and the cold arms of reality tighten their grip around me will you remember then to pick up the phone and take time to listen as grief like a waterfall pours over me and I struggle to survive in a black pit of despair it's it's an evocative piece isn't it and again it's another invitation to those around us yeah yeah I wrote that actually when a a very good friend of mine her her only son was killed in in a climbing accident out in in France and um, you can imagine the trauma and um, you know, I, I wrote that then, I thought, because I suppose I had walked in the shoes. Mm. And, um, you know, there are times when you're, you you kind of just need the, someone else to, to reach out. Just be there. Maybe only listen to you. Say nothing, only be there. You know, Alice, you must be the panacea for all of your neighbours and friends down in <laughs> oh down in Cork. <laughs> there must be I a path beaten to the door. <laughs> but you know, it. But good neighbours make good neighbours. Of course, of course. And Alice, listen, not throwing sugar at you now, uh, or as the Americans say, blow smoke up your ass. But I mean, you have provided such solace for so many people because your books. Uh, I mean, you must have more books than a library at this stage, and they're all so well coveted, so well thumbed through. What do you think is the secret of them, Alice? It's your ability, your ability to connect with people, your ability to capture a sense of time and space. Where does that come from? Or is that just being a normal, good person? I, I think, you see, I think the world that, that I grew up in and all my contemporaries and indeed the generation after us as well, I think that world was sort of not recognised or thought of as, as, as important. And, you know, 
When I learned that, Edward, I was doing a radio interview with um, a, a radio station in the north of England, and the researcher was from Sligo. And she said to me, uh, you know, when I went home last Christmas, she said, my mother had your book to go to the fields in the pocket of her apron. Oh, no, she said, my gosh. mother is not a reader. And, I, and she said, I said to my mother, why is that book important? And the mother said to her, because, she said, I thought my life was of no consequence, that it was sort of too normal to be of any consequence. Or, you know, she just kind of dismissed it. And she said, when I read that book, she said, that was the story of my life. And, you know, Edward, I think it was the story of a whole generation because it was a story of ordinary people. I think, I think Edward, what I'm writing about is the lives of ordinary people right up to today because I think, you know, the important people are always documented. But nobody rec- documents the ordinary. And sure, we're all ordinary in the heat of the hunt, a lot of us anyway. And isn't it, isn't it in the ordinary that we find and discover the extraordinary. That's right. That's right. Just, just, it, and you know, I, I don't know, I don't want to be going back to the funerals and graves, but I spent yesterday weeding and cutting back the roses in our family grave. And you know, while I was sitting there, because our graveyard is beside the church, you know, Edward, I, I stopped talking, I said I was about three hours talking to people because people were passing by the neighbours and um, it was a lovely sunny day, at least it was a lovely sunny day in the Shannon. Yeah. And um, I, you know, I spent hours chatting. And in a way, there's a great togetherness about the church and, and, and even graveyards. And I think the church is about more than what goes on inside the door. It's a, it's a community as well. People gather and you meet people before and after. And, and I think it's um, community is so important. It certainly is. And there's another little piece there, just one sentence that could actually capture uh, capture life, really, on page 86. And the sentence that you have says, kindness is a language which the deaf can hear and the blind can see. So yes. it, it, it encompasses all, doesn't it, Alice? It encompasses. It, yeah. I wrote a little poem about kindness. The goodness of your kindness kept me in my mind. Its worth could not be measured. It had goodness undefined. You held out a caring hand when I was full of pain. You thawed my frozen being and made me live again. I think that's what kindness is. There's such a thing about that that thawing of the frozen being, you know, we can see it kind of just being completely changed from one thing to another. And that's what kindness has the capacity to do, isn't it? Yeah, it's wonderful. It's a, I think it's the greatest virtue in the world. And I think the world needs it. And, you know, now at the moment, we look at Ukraine, we look at the Gaza Strip, and we think, oh, my God. And, um, you know, I sometimes think of a teacher I had, and she used to say, you, you can only flower where you're planted. You know, sure. we can't change the world, but we can change our little world. You know, really. We can. 
Um, Alice, what one thing I was interested in mm. in your book, uh, well, lots of things I was interested, but uh, <laughs> yeah. you were you were trying to uh, elicit clarity or uh, engender the answer around the meaning in life. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I'm not sure that you that you got to establish what that meaning in life is. Do any of us, or 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 how can we? What are the tools or the gifts that we need to do to try and? I, it's a big question, I, isn't it? For a short question. question. Yeah, and you know, Edward, I think it's a mystery. You know, I did a programme, you know, that they do there in RT, Meaning of Life with George Duffy, and I I really touched that there's really no answer. You know, I think that's beyond us. You know, we'll discover it on the other side. We're all going. Mm. (laughs) We will, we will for sure. And maybe that's the beauty of it. Maybe that's what keeps us striving. I think it's very important because, you know, in a way, but if you look at we've made a fair mess of the world when you see what's happening in all over, you know, in, in the Gaza and in, in Ukraine. And maybe it's better that we can get into beyond here because I think, Edward, we might, we might make a hymns of it. <laughs> Alice, how do you feel, um, how do you feel now about, uh, about your life and about your career? Um, do you have a sense of, of contentment? Is there things that you want to do? Looking back on it, and you talk about writing about this ordinary time, yeah. you know, and, and as I, I said to you, that the extraordinary comes from the ordinary. How do you feel yourself now as Alice Taylor? Yeah, um, we bring out a Christmas magazine here every Christmas. This is our 40th year. And um, today now we're finishing the proofread reading. And I, I kind of look forward to that coming out every Christmas. People love it. It's, it's a parish magazine. Mm. Now, my big project for this year uh, is to, we're putting up a sculpture here in the village. And it's a sculpture to the charter school children. Now, I won't go into that. That's a long uh, historical saga but there was 50 charter schools all over Ireland built in 1735 and the children that went to those charter schools were never commemorated there was 50 of them all over Ireland and we had one here in Shannon and I mean we're talking about a couple of hundred years ago Mm. but they're the forgotten children of Ireland and we erect a sculpture in the village here uh, next year and I'm I'm kind of involved with it I'm involved with a lot of things going on in the village I love the village (laughs) yeah well listen we saw you in the village and I know you take every opportunity to bring the world down down there to, to Inishan and we saw we saw you on Joe Duffy that time sitting in your in your beautiful home as well. And yeah. it's it's I, I, I remember thinking at the time Scarlett O'Hara in Gone with the Wind always said she got her strength from the red earth of Tara. I'm beginning to yeah. think you're the Scarlett O'Hara of Inishanan. <laughs> You know, Edward, if if you're in bad form, you know, and especially if you're if you're sad about something, the garden. If you go out in the garden, you could go out like a briar, mm. and you come in like a rose. How <laughs> gorgeous! There's something in the earth. When you think about it, we're all descended from potato picking ancestors, so there's an affinity and a closeness to the earth. And um, the wood, I love to walk in the woods. We woods here, and I mean, in Ireland, you're never very far from a river or a wood. And I think there's great strength to be drawn 
from the, 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 the woods and the, the rivers and the, and the garden. Absolutely. You know? Alice, there's such joy and such life and such vitality and vibrance and, and clarity uh, mm. in your in your books and all of them and I have a number of them at home including uh, the tea uh, the tea and talk one and time <laughs> stood still and if you and of course they're very easy read what I wondered um, in advance of you coming on today I've thought a lot about chatting with you and yeah. I was wondering we, we now live in a world that's so laden with you know a depression and anxiety yeah. and fear and trauma of all different yeah. times unimaginable traumas and we've yeah. almost at times I believe now maybe I'm wrong I believe that mm. we've almost at a stage that we've become desensitised uh, yeah. to trauma but I wonder about fear because I think fear is a really interesting word and an interesting phenomenon is there anything yeah. that you're afraid of or what do you fear Alice? Yeah fear cripples you know and um, I remember when I brought out um, my first book and I was to go on the late lately listen she you were on that as often as Gay Byrne you were fabulous on it but Edward before I went on the first time I was crippled with fear Mm. because um, I thought oh dear God but it's a funny thing Um, I think prayer and uh, you know I, I'm a great believer in prayer and, and I'm a great believer in meditation because I think it aligns us with a source greater than ourselves we don't have the answers but um, I think the prayers and the people that have gone before us uh, I think they can strengthen us because I often think that you know that when uh, parents have never finished with their children I still I still ask my mother for things <laughs> so when parents have never finished so I think there's access to a greater power and I think that that gives us strength now, there's, a, there's a quote in the Bible and I'm not a great Bible person now but the Lord says at some stage don't worry about what you have to say because when you when you open your mouth, I'll put the words into your mouth. And I've taken him on his word a few times and he never failed. <laughs> well, listen, how lovely is that? Alice, you're absolutely amazing. I think you are superb. Uh, you're certainly a national treasure. And uh, I well, think... I'm just an average soul. But I think what's, what's beautiful about it and what I was going to conclude by saying, I think the beauty of you is that, but also there's great pride behind you. People love you before that they love you for what your message you know it's sanguine it's it's reflective it's honest it's it's all of the things that we want it to be continued success uh, the book is out now come sit a while it's a gorgeous invitation well, thank you Edward it's really gorgeous and it has been such a privilege to chat with you uh, this morning perhaps you might come on with us again sometime I'd love to thanks so much Alice good morning yes. thank you now that was Alice Taylor and her new book Come Sit A While isn't she absolutely fabulous yeah I'm a, a, a big Alice Taylor fan I think she's absolutely uh, superb superb for sure now um, let's take a break yeah let's do that this Saturday show on KCLR with Edward Hayden. With thanks to Christmas parties at Lyrath Estate Hotel. The perfect location for your team to come together this Christmas. For details, email events at lyrath.com. KCLR. 
Now, Tofolcia Rash, Edward Hayden here with you on the Saturday Show, 0833069696. Lots of lovely messages coming in about our last guest, Alice Taylor. Uh, I love Alice Taylor's book. She's such a lovely way with words, uh, says a texter as well. And of course, many um, looking to get into our draw that we have running with the Natural Health Store as well. So keep the texts coming in for that for sure. Now I'm delighted to be joined in studio by Tom Watts. Tom is Head of Design in the Design and Craft Council of Ireland and he's here to tell us about Irish Design Week which is a programme of events uh, run from the Design and Craft Council of Ireland and taking place from the 13th uh, of November. Tom, good morning to you. Good morning. Um, of course, we're also familiar in Kilkenny with the kind of the very imposing uh, Kilkenny Castle, Kilkenny Design Centre and nestled just in behind that is the fabulous uh, Design and Craft Council of Ireland uh, national headquarters uh, here in Kilkenny and again of course a very eclectic range of uh, producers and crafters um, in that area as well as scattered right throughout the county and country Yeah um, it's a legacy of Kilkenny Design Workshop so um, our offices are as you say in behind the Kilkenny shop and um, I think it's kind of inspirational, you know, every day to be surrounded by, um, you know, the, the history that's there. But we also have the National Design and Craft Gallery. We have the Made in Kilkenny exhibition, which has just um, wrapped up there. But the big focus at the moment and why I'm here this morning is to talk about Irish Design Week, which uh, kicks off on the 13th of uh, November. Absolutely. Now, this year, um, no more than any other year, has a theme and it's uh, looking at the whole aspect of folklore. And of course, folklore is so much embedded in the natural and national fabric of the country but the the question that you're asking is folklore the future uh, have you elicited the answer <laughs> um, it's it's starting to emerge I think um, what we're really amazed by is the, the massive engagement that we've had around that theme and how much everyone's been inspired by it I mean it, it actually it developed from my travels during the summer to Copenhagen um, where I went to the Danish design centre and uh, was kind of amazed to find that the hottest topic in design circles at the moment is storytelling. So as an Irish person I obviously went wow okay mm. well if that's... We do this if, well here. If that's the hot topic. <laughs> We're well, on it. Exactly so when I came back you know thinking further about it um, and you know kind of thinking about storytelling but also that the whole folklore theme is so kind of hot at the moment especially with the younger generation mm. of designers that we have in this country um, it was just really a no brainer to go for it and uh, we were you know kind of obviously it's a little bit um, left of field when you think of design as a topic but um, we've got leading figures from the international design world like Christian Basson who's the CEO of Danish Design Centre um, Tim Marlowe who's the CEO of the Design Museum in London and they are you know um, definitely saying that it's been an, a really excellent move for Ireland to go with this theme to show kind of I suppose a bit of le- taught leadership in this in this area 
And of course, stepping back from that almost again, a lot of the producers and people that are, you know, making the high quality craft and design pieces um, in themselves have a kind of a, a, an overarching narrative of their own story. Um, I, I'd be unbiased, uh, not to mention, of course, my neighbours who are 100 yards down the road from me in Greg Namana, uh, Cushendale Woolen Mills, and they themselves have a story. But every Cushendale Woolen Mills in the kind of the sphere has their own story story, the kind of the uniqueness of, of creation, the integrity of, of, of production as well. And that's really important to the small indigenous producers that come together under your umbrella. Absolutely. And I mean, that's where the whole storytelling uh, piece comes from, is that very often designers are amazing at, um, you know, what they do in terms of the different disciplines, whether it's graphic design or, you know, industrial design, product design, all of that type of thing. But sometimes what can... Um, be less strong is the uh, storytelling piece where it's about you know communicating the the work that goes into a piece of design about getting people to engage with it but then I think when you look at the the wider theme of what we're doing with Irish Design Week where we're talking about broader societal themes like diversity inclusion circular design mental health all of those narratives being brought in under the banner of design storytelling then really becomes um, something very very powerful and um, I mean if you um, take a look at our website at the moment dcci.ie we have the whole programme of events on there and we're starting to feed in um, a lot of video content now around these stories and they're absolutely amazing I mean Tom Moore did an incredible interview for us um, from Cartoon Saloon where he talks about you know the, the folklore influence for them we've had um, people like Holger Strom who was based in the Kilkenny Design Workshops mm. telling his story about you know developing the IQ light in the 1970s absolutely incredible we've had Rory Ledbetter from uh, Jura Point Glass talking about um, the two stars have blown away John Sleepy Morn and Minhee England who are coming to Kilkenny for the week for a design week and they'll be doing workshops in Jura Point um, but like they're coming from when you talk about storytelling mm. they're coming from the hit US Netflix series Blown Away which is absolutely incredible f- to me because what it is it's uh it's tech, um, a tech platform, Netflix, that's only around for about 10 years, elevating the ancient craft of glass blowing to a new global audience. So that's like tech and craft coming together, which, you know, as a storytelling piece is quite incredible, but I'm not surprised that it's got such engagement because those craft is craft and design are just so I think mesmerising for people at the moment in terms of watching the process and I suppose when you think about storytelling you can't get any better than Netflix really Absolutely, it has it certainly dominated the space. Uh, Tom I think one of the interesting things around the whole world of, of the Design and Craft Council of Ireland is the kind of the range and the diverse range of your members, you know, that there's uh, everything as you said from, you know cartoons to wool to jewellery to fabrics to textiles and and everything in between each with their own kind of uh, a story. So we have a, a very rich um, culture of design here and it's great to have it celebrated isn't it? Yeah I mean it, I'm I'm just astounded every day at the, the depth of talent in this country um, 
especially from some of the young designers that we're working with at the moment around events for Irish Design Week but also you know um, a lot of as you say a lot of the the people who would be considered makers um, or craftspeople I would call them, you know, designers also in terms of what they what they bring to their work. Um, but you know, yeah, just the variety is absolutely amazing. And I think if you have a look at the program, you can see we're trying to celebrate that and bring in as much kind of diversity as we can and and different topics. So we've got like everything from, you know, we have Matterfad um, from Barcelona, which is the European Materials Library. They're coming over. Um, with their Neo Materia exhibition talking about new sustainable materials um, that everybody can, you know, that businesses can look at adapting to increase their sustainability. Um, we've got Simone Rocha talking about her folklore influence as part of it. Um, we have, you know, amazing events going on all week. So if you have, you can check out the programme on dcci.e. It's really great. It certainly is. Uh, it certainly is. The programme is, is, is as eclectic as the members themselves. Thank you so much Tom for telling us about that. We can remind our listeners that it runs from November 13th to 17th. Uh, lots happening of course between the Parade uh, Tower in Kilkenny Castle and the National Craft Gallery uh, but checking out DCC i.ie uh, in the What's On and the Irish Design Week will give them uh, a look at the programme, uh, most of which are free for people to attend and uh, immerse themselves in the melting pot that we have. But thank you so much for coming in and continued good wishes to you. Uh, we're all very proud to have the Design and Craft Council's headquarters here in Kenny. So long may it continue to rain. Thank you. Thank you. Tom Watts there, Head of Design in the Design and Craft Council of Ireland. And do check out that programme running from November 3rd. 13th to 17th, we're going to go from craft to culture at Rach on Suspiog. This Saturday show on KCLR with Edward Hayden. With thanks to Christmas parties at Lyrath Estate Hotel, the perfect location for your team to come together this Christmas. For details, email events at lyrath.com. Now, good morning. You're very welcome back. Uh, lovely to have you with us. 0833069696. I'm a bit sh- in shock here. Not only have I been speaking to Alice Taylor this morning, but the most beautiful bouquet of flowers have arrived. There is beautiful um, gladioli, there's delphiniums, there's chrysanthemums, there is uh, beautiful tortured willows looking absolutely beautiful from uh, the Saver Kilkenny family. So I'm, I'm uh, in great shock uh, this morning, but thank you for the most beautiful flowers. I actually think I'm going to insist now that flowers arrive here every Saturday. I know next week I'll get uh, a bunch of dandelions from my <laughs> next guest and that is my good friend Mark Duffy, elevated to the role of chairperson of Kilkenny Musical Society. Mark the Fulcheroiv. Edward, thanks very much for having me on. A pleasure to have you on. Thank we you. couldn't let the week pass because this coming Thursday and Friday the Kilkenny Musical Society are having a very special celebration in honour of their 50th anniversary. Yeah, indeed we are. Yeah, Kilkenny Music Society founded in 1973 so we are 50 years old this year, our golden jubilee. Um, and look at you with the chain around your neck on I the know, 50th yeah, jubilee. weighing me down. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so look, we, um, we are hosting our... Um, I suppose it's a throwback to the last uh, 50 years, 50 years of, of musicals, 50 years of shows. Uh, as you said yourself, this coming Thursday and Friday in the Watergate Theatre, we have many performers from over the years coming back together for what I have no doubt would be just a fantastic couple of nights in the Watergate as we look back on 
shows from from so many different composers over the years, whether it be Andrew Lloyd Webber, Oscar, uh, Richard Rogers, Oscar Hammerstein, um, Lerner and Lowe, Gilbert and Sullivan. I've been in out to rehearsals a few times and I have to say now taking off my KMS um, glasses like it sounds absolutely fantastic like and we have Christine Scarry I suppose would be known to I suppose myself yourself and for sure everyone else around, around the country in musical theatre circles directing the whole thing she's put it all together and Christine you know she doesn't do average she does really really good top class stuff and um, the concert will be that so it yeah. will be very special yeah. uh, for sure and who knows it could prove as uh, an audition ground to find Maria and Captain Von Trapp as well. Who knows, maybe it could, yeah, of course we sound the music coming up in April again, which will be, um, we'll be getting it t- stuck into um, post, um, probably this time next week we'll probably be putting Absolutely. plans into place. Uh, talk to me about the programme and the lineup. then, uh, a mix I presume of uh, solos and chorus numbers. Yeah, of course we have maybe 50 to 55, 55 odd people on stage throughout um, a mixture of chorus uh, numbers um, soloists, we have like we have, if you look we could list of songs we have we've You'll Never Walk Alone from Carousel we have um, Michael Hayes is stepping back onto the stage uh, recreating the role of uh, Jesus from 2004 um, Jesus Christ Superstar when he performed with KMS he's singing um, Gethsemane Nicola Brennan is there um, I, I Don't Know How to Love Him we have um, songs from Oliver Guys and Dolls um, Sarah Brennan who'll be well known to um, um, everybody you, everybody <laughs> outside of Castle Comer yeah, yeah. the, wor- the, the world does exist outside yeah. Castle Comer Sarah's uh, doing a number from uh, Guys and Dolls um, Adelaide Lament. Uh, we have, um, of course, we've you know big numbers from Oklahoma. We may even have some farmers and some cowmen appearing from uh, from Oklahoma. Territory folks. Kevin Reed is back together. on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you give us a blast, Edward? Absolutely. Uh, we've loads of other people. Uh, who's who of, of musical theatre circles? Kevin Reed is coming back. Kevin played um, numerous roles with Sight over the years. He's in a few numbers. He was the kind of the the the, the child prodigy, wasn't he? Really, he was. Yeah. Now, now he's he grew the, up in now, the, in the now he's the middle the middle aged uh, man yeah. <laughs> prodigy. He's become the father. <laughs> he's become the father. Yeah. Kevin Kevin is um, recreating the role of Sweeney Todd. Um, of course, Carol Knox is there again. The, the nuns are back, um, led by Karen Knox. Um, you know from Sister Act. So it's, ju- it's just a whole host of, um, I suppose, brilliant performers backed up by fantastic chorus uh, Christine's uh, production team and just comes to be a great night again of course I was talking earlier on to Alice Taylor and she was talking about yes. her community and that sense of community but we must remember you know the Kilkenny Musical Society notwithstanding how professionally uh, they discharge themselves it's a local group and that whole sense of local and community and you know community theatre I mean that's really at the heart of arts in Kilkenny isn't it? Oh listen I think it's the foundation on which the whole art scene is built I know because there's a massive I suppose professional scene but look the Musical Society with so many other groups I suppose as you said Edward you put it perfectly there um, as you always do <laughs> that's, why you, that's why you get the flowers <laughs> <laughs> that's why your side that side of the microphone yeah. I'm here uh, oh, I don't know yeah but look it's the bedrock I think on, on which the whole uh, amateur scene is or the whole uh, art scene is built, you know what I mean? And I think the Kenny Music Society definitely is to the forefront of that. Like it's, you know, 50 years is a long time uh, for an amateur organisation or any amateur group to be still in existence, still as strong as ever, probably st- stronger mm-hmm. than ever, you know. Um, and, uh, you know, we're just delighted to be so getting back to the Warwick Theatre and we just encourage as many people. We actually have so many people coming back to perform with us on the night from many, many years ago, like mm-hmm. which they were And all delighted the people who back. kind of knitted a little patch on that oh, patchwork 100%. Quilt, yeah. Listen, everybody, exactly, that's a great analogy because everybody that has, you know, been involved like you're talking probably thousands of people like mm. they've all played their role in 
in creating the society what it is today like we're just carrying it on you know in, for the moment but you know we're kind of only carrying on the work that's been done by so many like thousands of other people like and it's just it's fantastic to see so many of them come back for, for the concert they were delighted to get back involved and I suppose um, this was a fantastic brilliant opportunity for them to do it and we you know we, 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 we kind of went out and we, we really wanted that to be part of it because the whole thing while the two nights are not just a concert it's really going to be a trip back down memory lane because John O'Donoghue has created a fantastic set with the big screen and create all play all images from shows over the years and stuff so that was a key thing that Christine wanted to have incorporated into the show was that it'd be a trip down memory lane and nostalgia would be a big theme of it like so I suppose we've married that with like all the performers that, I, that I've um, just um, mentioned so. I remember going to see I think it was Oklahoma yes. and and lots of the other shows but I remember in Oklahoma I was a big uh, Mary Craddock fan oh, and Mary, she's yeah. a giant of theatre and yeah. drama in Kilkenny yeah. and I remember sitting in awe to think oh my god she can be in a musical as well yeah, yeah. she can be Aunt Eller <laughs> uh, and Michael Hayes I think was, was Curly yes, uh, that time been, yeah. as well but uh, listen it's fantastic it's on Thursday and Friday night a uh, handful of tickets still available yeah small, few, small amount of tickets after they're even selling I was just talking to, to uh, our, our, our Vice Chairman Sarah before I came on there and even the last few days the tickets are flying out the door so there's a very few left for the Thursday and Friday they're available from the water get theatre from the box office if you got anyone wants to go online well I've had a call from Claire Henrique so I think we're having a date night uh, for, for it as well so don't get overly nervous that we'll be in the crowd <laughs> no, the boy can't deal with this anymore I'm out of here <laughs> listen Mark thanks so much for coming on Chairman Edward, thanks. to Kenny Music thank you very much. Thursday and Friday night uh, 50th anniversary celebrations there in the Watergate Theatre let's take a little suspiog this Saturday show on KCLR with Edward Hayden KCLR KCLR indeed you're very welcome back it's Edward Hayden with you and most unusual turning the world upside down for us this morning is our resident gardening expert Shirley Lanigan never before seen on the show at the end of it Shirley good morning <laughs> and it wasn't that I had a lie in Edward oh I don't know I don't know I'll have to I'll have to check the security cameras there Shirley to see where you're rolling out of the bed at half eleven <laughs> Oh dear! Do you know? Do you know what I am? I'm actually I'm I'm looking at the um, the, the the horseshoe buildings in the design centre. You know that lovely semicircle of gorgeous buildings that lead up towards Butler House Garden. Yes, I do. Beautiful. And it's absolutely beautiful there for, for sure. Uh, Shirley, it's a fairly, I, when, when I was coming in this morning at about 20 to 10, it was a fairly murky old day uh, out there. What are we like at the minute? <laughs> it's, not, it's not improving. I'm looking at the sky and it's grey in all directions. So we could take a bit of the, uh, we could take a day off from the gardening today. <laughs> Could, couldn't you? Yeah. Listen, or, you know, mess with your mess with your indoor plants. You know, tidy them up. Make sure that they're not drying out. <laughs> Give them a bit of love. We had Alice Taylor on during uh, the show this morning, and she was uh, again propping up your message about how much joy is to be found in the garden. But she had a great phrase that I'm going to give you, and you can use as a talk. She said, sometimes you go out to the garden and you're like a briar and you come in like a rose. That is so true. It really is. You know, you go out and you're fit to kill somebody. Get that spade, stick it in the ground, do a bit of digging. And by the time you come in, you know, you've committed the murder, you're calm. They're still alive. 
and uh, all's well in the world. All's and well. you're not going to prison. All's well indeed. Uh, Shirley, November is a kind of an interesting time because we really now are starting to bed down and bed into the winter. What should we be doing for ourselves? Well, I'll tell you what now. If you have hellebores, you know how much I love hellebores. Mm. If you have them, now is the time to cut back all the old foliage. Even if it's green, it's long, it's leathery, it's looking a bit tired. Cut it back. And what you will begin to see are the brand new shoots of both leaves and flowers over the next few weeks. And by the time you hit Christmas and you go into January, you're going to be looking at the most amazing hellebore flowers. And it's... Get your hellebores ready for the fact that they're going to be the stars of your winter garden. Okay, how lovely. And hellebores, again, of course, are fairly hardy, aren't they, Shirley? They don't give us too much trouble. They are so tough. I've taken photographs of them in January, you know, when you've had really hard frost. And the flowers are lying on the ground, literally. And you think that's it, they're gone. Two days later, you come out... The frost is gone and they've sprung back up and they're looking pristine. You just, you couldn't kill them. They're amazing plants. Oh, how lovely, how lovely. And Shirley, there's still plenty. I mean, I was looking at gardens since I was chatting with you last week and I remember you said that, you know, there's plenty of uh, colour still in the garden. There's still plenty in flower in the gardens as well, aren't there? Because we haven't had, you know, other than the rain, we haven't had any frost or any kind of really harsh weather just yet. Yeah, begonias are still hanging in, dahlias, asters, salvias, and even roses. There's a lot of flowers. And then you've got the beautiful leaves that have changed into golds and reds and rust. The acers. Oh, there's a lot of colour still. There certainly is. I don't know if you've driven through Boris recently, Boris in County Carlo, but on the kind of the wall as you're driving from, as we call it, Gore's Bridge right down through Boris Town, um, there's the most beautiful begonias on the wall, the kind of what we call the, the summer bedding begonias on the wall, and they're still resplendent. So whoever is looking after them, uh, massive kudos to them over there. They're in great nick still. Hats off to them. I drove through about two weeks, ten days ago, and I was utterly stunned. It's like horse feeders, the the, 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 yes. the containers that they're up on the wall on. And as you say, the flowers, the begonias, looking amazing. There's a text. Very good late, late, late autumn class. And remember, if you have them, when they die down, dig up those corns, put them into dry sand or something over the winter, and they'll be ready to start off again in the spring. They're, a, they're an investment plan. They sure are. Uh, Shirley, there's a text in here. I don't fully understand it, but uh, the texter asks, Edward, can you ask Shirley, is it okay to cut back roses if, they're still, if they still have flowers on them? But one would wonder why would you do that? But anyway, I'll hand it over to you. One would be right, Edward. Okay. <laughs> no, don't cut back flowering roses. You grew them for the flowers. 
Yeah. When they're finished, you can chop them back. Let them let them go. Uh, let them go at that stage. And again, of course, you know, Shirley, uh, I'm talking about herbs as well. What should we be doing with herbs? You know, uh, in terms of you know mint or parsley or these things that are kind of starting to get a bit tired. Should we just lob all of those off, or just leave them to die naturally? Chop anything back that's looking untidy. What you can do if you want to is you can dig up a, a, a clump of parsley or a clump of mint or whatever and bring it into if you've got a, a cold frame or a greenhouse or a nice airy porch because you'll be able to continue using them through the winter. But the ones you leave out, they'll die down, they'll come back next spring. And just as they die down, chop them back add on a mulch to feed them for next year and let them off. Is there such a thing, I always get confused between uh, which of the ones, is the perennials just come once and annuals last forever? No, the other way around. Okay. Annuals, <laughs> you, you have them for one year, perennials are forever. They are perennial. Yeah, oh yeah, okay. Is there such a thing as uh, an annual mint? Because I had mint last year that died in Great Nick but never, never, never resurrected. Oh. Oh dear, Edward. <laughs> mint is a very easy plant to grow. I'd love, what did you do with it? Did you, did you drown it or something? I don't know because it was in Great Nick all summer and then it died and I trimmed it back and I, I waited anxiously in March, April, May and a bit of June for it to come and then I had to wave the white feather. Yeah, no, that's strange. In future, grow it in pots. When you come to the end of the year and you chop it down and it looks like it's dead, uh, you could add on, uh, scrape off the top, spend soil, or take it out of the pot and pull off all of the, the, the soil that's around it and put it into some fresh so that in the spring it's ready to go again. No, it might have been just as an, an, uh, an unhealthy plant in the first place. Normally mint will come back fairly successfully for you. It could be dodgy. Shirley, listen, there we must leave it. Thanks so much. I'll let you go in and explore the beautiful gallery there and uh, we'll chat with you again soon. Bye-bye, Shirley. Thank you. Thank you. Now, that's our resident gardening expert, Shirley Lennigan. Did anybody else find her? Was it just me? Did all the phone lines sound a bit dodgy this morning? Um, everyone sounded like they were about six million miles miles away from me. But anyway you're all very close to me listening at home that's all I can say. Uh, congratulations to Joyce Dowling from Ockabeg in Bagnallstown who's the winner of a three month supply of Clean Marine Menamin and a copy of the Essential Guide to Female Hormones uh, thanks to the Natural Health Store and we'll have another um, detail from them next week. That takes me to the end of this morning's show. Thanks so much to the lovely Tara Byrne who has been stepping in for Ashling today. Angela Joyle Stewart on the news there. She's coming up with the headlines. She's poised and ready on the little Montessori chair inside. Eddie Hughes is up next with the Saturday brunch and lots happening on the sports show from two o'clock and right throughout the day here, of course, in case you'll I'll see you if the Lord spares me next week. Until then, folks, God bless you all.